0: Welcome to the scale with Tech and AI Growth Lab podcast. I am your host Jay Farr at Tech Fusion Systems. Our guest is Paul Daniels. Paul is a keynote speaker, coach and fifth generation innovation whisperer focusing on peripheral thinking. Paul, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey Jay, thanks very much for inviting me. Glad to be here.
0: <laughs> All right. So peripheral thinking can you start us out with what that is what you how you came up with it?
1: Wow. Okay. So we're going to jump in deep, but I'll try and be brief. Let's do a Um,
0: brief overview and then we can dig in.
1: So peripheral thinking is a set of super skills that are found in about 10% of the population. These 10% of population are born with the skills. They're innate. And we've studied it and we've cracked the code. These people represent the majority of innovation and transformation throughout history. So we've cracked the code on these skills, and you don't have to be born with them. They're a set of skills that anyone can learn and apply. It's just because these people were born with them, and they were tagged as being a little different, that it never surfaced until recently.
0: Okay, that's interesting. So you're saying that historically, for a long time, there were just a select few people that just were either born with it, or they just naturally developed it early on, and no one knew why or how or what it was. And now we have the science and understanding of not only what it is and what the characteristics are, but how to train people to acquire these skills and use them. Right.
1: And there are still only between 10 and 15% of the population that are born with these skills today. It's genetic.
0: So can anyone learn these skills?
1: Yes, absolutely. I've had clients in 31 industries and 27 countries. You be the benefactor of these skills, and I've taught them now how to think. In this specific way.
0: So that is, that's very fascinating. You have here on your website. So this is pauldanielsjr.com. And what is peripheral thinking? And you have some big names on here. You have Einstein, Henry Ford, Da Vinci, Edison, JFK, Richard Branson, Kobe Bryant. uh, Aaron
1: Aaron Brockovich, Ms. Corcoran from Shark Tank, Octavia Spencer. We've got scientists, athletes. Artists, mathematicians, political figures, all of them are innovators, really disruptive innovators that had visions and they took their skills to the next level and in some cases created new industries.
0: Right. What are some characteristics or skills that these people use or how do they behave differently than most people that enables them to do some of these incredible things? It says here they're all innovators and they're all dyslexic. Is that accurate?
1: That's exactly right. So they're all they're a little bit different. <laughs> the, the dyslexia is the key. So like I said, between 10 and 15% of the population is born with dyslexia, which is a neurodiversity. Between 20 and 30% of entrepreneurs and nearly 40% of self-made millionaires are dyslexic. In fact, NASA actively recruits people with dyslexia. And That's
0: very fascinating.
1: About 50% of NASA is dyslexic. And some have called dyslexia or the MIT disease because of the number of students at MIT that have dyslexia. However, it's still 10 to 15%. And what we found is that the World Economic Forum does a study every couple of years about the future of jobs in every industry and every company in all industries around the world. They studied and they found that there are cognitive skills that are at the top of the need for companies to succeed in 2025, 2030, beyond. And of those Top cognitive skills, nine of them, they represent the fewest number of people in the working population that have the skills. That's and then fascinating. And studied it and put it against dyslexia. Eight of the nine are found innately within dyslexics. That's why I teach people how to think like a dyslexic.
0: So when did the understanding of this and when did the connections between super innovative creators and thinkers with some characteristics that made them different, like dyslexia, et cetera. When did this become well-known? When did this kind of get published to the world and by whom and when?
1: So it started back in the 60s. However, it has only come to light in a much broader sphere in the last decade or so. And it's become very highlighted in the last five years. So I didn't know I was dyslexic. I was born dyslexic, obviously, but I found out when I was 40. So up to that point, I've been told that I was lazy, stupid, an outsider, daydreamer, a bunch of things, but I'd done really well for the companies and clients that I'd worked for. I'd done 1.2 billion in annual revenue for them. At 40, the light goes on. I go, oh, so there's a language that describes the way I think, not just the difficulty I had with reading and writing, but it explained that it's a learning difference, not a disability. Mm-hmm. It's right. the way that we learn and the way that we see the world and the way that we think. And all of those things that I just jumped in headlong into it. Now That's I had a language. Because that I when I was
0: describe. a kid, my teachers told my parents that I need to be held back a year because I, it was very boring for me. Really. My mother told yeah. them I was just lazy and I just didn't care about addition, which I didn't. <laughs> and I was told I was a little dyslexic and I never really cared. I never really knew really what that meant. I've heard people say, sometimes you think in the wrong order. I've heard people, I don't think people that say those sorts of things have a very holistic, deep understanding of what dyslexia really is or what the characteristics are. But I've always known that I was somewhat a small amount dyslexic, but I never cared about it, never gave it much thought. But Mm -hmm. I did always know that I thought differently than most people. Can you explain to us like your understanding of how dyslexic people think and act differently so that kind sure. of anyone sure. could understand the basics of it
1: yeah first of all we don't think wrong we think and we're always thinking and we see the connections between various forms of information regardless of whether they seem to be cohesive we don't care everything has value and we learn from everything a dyslexic's brain connects kleenex box with a, an experience at a movie and working on a car to come up with a new software package.
0: Yeah, totally. I do it all the time.
1: Right. And people yeah. go, how did you get there? And you start to tell them, you know, the this chain of events and all the things that are in your brain because you're, you capture them. So what we see and what we hear always reminds us of something else, which gives us a really broad repository We are more aware. In fact, medically, they have proven that dyslexics have a broader peripheral vision. So we actually have a few more degrees of periphery.
0: That's where the term peripheral comes from.
1: Right on, brother. Oh, I love it. And what we see in the periphery is clearer as well. So as a dyslexic learning, we have to, especially if you're not diagnosed and you don't get the tools, you learn some skills on how to just gather more information. I don't know where people are on the page, what page we're on. I'm trying to find it. So I'm looking, always looking at other people as a student and, and the teacher and listening to voice inflection and focus on certain things so I can learn it, even though I can't read it. Make sense? Yeah. So I've worked on my reading. I'm up to, I think I'm at about a 10, and, grade 10 and a half or 11. And that's as far as I've got, but I've went through university, got advanced degrees, all that stuff and work my tail off because I I want to know, I want to learn more because the more I learn, the more I can apply it everywhere.
0: That's so fascinating.
1: A, a dyslexic right. thinker is very peripheral and we take in lots of information that most people don't even see, let alone value.
0: Right and i've heard that talked about about a lot of big thinkers and innovators and people who do new stuff is they get these new ideas well how do they get all these new ideas that no one really has thought of or put together before and it's because they literally can't turn their like i can't turn my brain off it's 10 o'clock at night i've been working 16 hours i'm exhausted i'm still going it's just going and i'm always coming up with ideas and some of them are stupid and some of them are great. But I'm always trying to connect the dots. I'm always trying to yes. dig deeper into things. What has someone right. missed about this that is still there to be discovered? And right. it's just I like it, but I don't do it all purposely. It just is always there. But I've heard it said that people like Elon Musk and some other people mm-hmm. like him are like that as well, where they just they have this. Stephen um, Jobs. Sure. I don't know if it's an addiction or a hobby or just something we enjoy. From a young age, maybe we just get enjoyment from learning and it just becomes something we like to do all the time. I'm not sure what it is, but it's there.
1: We're definitely curious. Now, this I'm talking about people with neurodiversity, but this doesn't mean that only neurodiverse people have these qualities. Everyone in some form or fashion can have them and can increase them. But Curiosity, a desire to analyze, a desire to create, to solve problems to interact with people, to learn more about things they don't know, including cultures and perspectives and ways of approaching things. That way, when we do go to connect the dots, we have more dots than most people do. Right. And because we've just collected it and it's all stored here. It's all stored upstairs. So I've created.
0: Yeah. I figure just collect everything that you can. And if you don't need it, that's okay. Right. (laughs) It's there just in case.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I can take lessons from just about every experience. Peripheral experiences are everywhere around the corner, Fred's coffee shop, going to Home Depot, whatever it is. I can find a lesson and I can add that to my personal repository and then I can use it today, tomorrow, maybe never or pieces of it. So that's the way dyslexics thinks and that you can just translate that over to those who have learned some skills through the peripheral thinking model. Think the same way.
0: So how did you come across this and decide that you wanted to be an expert in this and you wanted to teach other people how to do it? How did that come to be? Because now you are a speaker and you're coaching companies and executives and people all all over the world on how to harness these skills to get results in their life and their business. So how did that start? Yeah,
1: So it came about as I continued to work with clients to be their innovation whisperer. I could see things they didn't see. We created new solutions that were easily adaptable and easily implemented. And as I continued to do that, I realized I could have more impact if I taught them the thinking instead of just doing the thinking for them. And that's where peripheral thinking really took off, where, yes, I can solve it for you. I can give you the ideas, but maybe I should teach you. And together, we can find even more ideas or you can now take it and permeate that through your organization so that disruptions don't throw you off. You're innovating all the time. You have a really rich repository of content that you can draw upon at any moment so that you can innovate before a disruption happens, before and even beyond what the obstacles are.
0: Did you know right away that you would be able to teach this to other people? or so? You, but you knew you could teach them at least some of it, right? Sure. Like, yeah. for example, like I notice a lot of people, let's say for the sake of argument that I'm dyslexic and I have special skills for the sake of argument. Right. And there's another person who does not. What I do notice is this person could take in a lot more information if they just paid attention and thought about it as a habit. Right? And that would at least get you part of the way there. Part of you it. Know, commit more things to memory. Just understand that basically that you can use information from. I guess, from anything to another unrelated topic a lot more often than you would think. So there's some basic things I could see to where it's intuitive to think, well, you can teach some of these skills. So that's obvious. So tell us the next step that maybe wasn't obvious that you figured out that you, like, how far can you push this with people? All the way or most of the way? And what are some of the, if you could share any tools or strategies or tactics that you use to train people how to do this and get good at it?
1: One of the things that going to the next level requires for non-dyslexics is that storing of ideas. You said, commit it to memory. Not everybody has that skill that dyslexics do because we also think of pictures and a bunch of other things. It makes the neural connections quicker. However, one of the challenges is that not everybody can do that. So I designed as part of the model a way to capture an experience. in. when I do it on stage at keynotes, it's about a four minute exercise. When I do it in work groups and other things, we take a little bit longer. But at the end of the day, they now have a framework where they can put in information in 90 seconds or less, and then they can access that information using a keyword whenever they want. So it's about having an experience, logging that information. I won't go into all the details, but that was the next step in allowing people, giving them the skills to first, most importantly, recognize, Hey, there's more out there than what my industry and my conventional wisdom, my industry best practices are telling me. Now I go out there. Now, what do I do with this? Cause I don't know how to do this. Okay. Let's store it first. And let me give you a tool to store it. Now, when you come up with a challenge or some obstacle or a goal, here's how you use this repository that you have to overcome that challenge, to reach that goal, to set a new direction for the company.
0: Right. How surprised are people when you take them through these exercises and explain the basic premise of what they can do, which is fairly easy to do, at least to some degree? What kind of a response do people have? Is it quite surprising to them? Yes, Especially when they apply it. Yeah.
1: So two different stories. I'll save the longer one for another time, but or maybe later in the call. But most recently, I was speaking to a global telecommunications company. Can't really share the name, but I was speaking to their leadership. And it was a group of leaders from around the world. And they came together. I spoke and I shared peripheral thinking. And I shared this one skill called interpreting and the repository, which is the peripheral resource library. So I got a call a couple of weeks after the event, and it was from the event organizer that said, hey, Paul, I want to let you know what happened. After your keynote, we took a 30-minute break. We came back and we continued our process for this event that they were at. During that 30-minute event, 30-minute break, there were a couple of people that got together and shared their one entry that they each created during the keynote. And they came up with a new client strategy that in two weeks generated $15 million for that company.
0: Wow, that's a yeah. big win.
1: So I'm like, that's <laughs> awesome. And then I thought, I need to charge more for my- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah, get some, a great get return. some out. equity that's in there, some idea equity.
1: <laughs> right, but the beauty of that is that they had just learned the surface level of this. And in 30 minutes, this four or five people came up with an idea that they pitched to a client Who loved it and off it went. Now, did they create new technology? No. Did they split an atom in a new way? No. Did they go to the moon and back? No. They took what was already available and just reassembled it in a new way, repackaged it, presented to the client.
0: And I absolutely love the quote on the top of your website You have access to everything you need to achieve anything you want. That's on the same theme. The same theme is you don't have to create a new rocket that goes to Mars to change the world. Some of the obvious things are right in front of you. They're available right in front of you on your computer,
1: right?
0: 100%. In your office, wherever. Yep. You just just have to look, right?
1: And I would encourage you to look where you typically don't. Mm -hmm. Yes, I can Google that. But there's also something about having an experience. So if you're going to Google something or you're going to go online and research something, don't research your industry. Research something completely different and see where that leads you. So I asked my clients, what does a baker in Bulgaria have in common with a steel mill in Spain? Well, conventional wisdom's like, not much. What does a movie theater in Malaysia have in common with a distribution center in Denmark? Not much. What does a flu in China have to do with unemployment around the world? Well, up until 2020, conventional wisdom was like, nothing. Even before all that, peripheral thinkers and dyslexic disruptors were already saying, Oh, they've got tons of things in common and they can learn from each other. So go outside your industry. Please go outside your industry because the answers you're looking for, you're not going to find them. The answers that you're looking for to really innovate aren't going to be found in your conventional wisdom or industry best practices. They're not there.
0: That's interesting. I've noticed that when Elon Musk is asked a question, it almost never matters what the question is. He always hesitates. Because he thinks about it first, even mm-hmm. though he probably already knows the answer, he thinks about it again. You no, know, you ever yeah. notice that every question, what right. color is this guy?
1: Same thing with Richard Branson. If um, you want him.
0: Well, right. And then he answers, right? Because he's just checking everything. He's just, there's something yeah. I've missed before? And right. that's interesting. I think a lot of people don't do that too. That might be another easy to learn skill, right? I get what you think, but that's fine. Maybe that's probably still the case, but just think about it one more time. In a different way than you have before, and see if you still have the same answers. So right, that's, that's really interesting. So, who are your clients? Like, who what makes who makes the best clients, and how do you go about acquiring those clients? What types of services do you do? You do workshops, you do immersive speaking. Can
1: you yeah, tell we us do. About- we do some sweat lodge stuff and some mountain climbing. No, I'm kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you have to go to the top of Mount Everest and uh, well, take that's some where, strange yeah, route. That's
1: exactly you're read like <laughs> well, you're reading too much from my website. Knock it off. Yeah. So the clients that seem to be most open are CEOs and C-suite executives, business owners, private companies primarily, that have been successful. They continue to be successful, but they either believe they can do much more. Or they've hit some form of a plateau where that growth trajectory has started to decline, started to slow, or in some cases flatten out or decline. And and for them, the beauty is that I meet some of them at my keynotes and we engage. And others just hear about me from other clients and reach out and say, "Hey, let's talk a little bit. Tell me more." And what I do with most of our clients is we start off just by assessing where are you. Then we start to explain the principles of peripheral thinking where it comes from and why most of the innovations that we see today and we remember are from people with neurodiversity now translated into peripheral thinking so that gives them the basis to say okay this isn't just voodoo cross your legs and hum this is real
0: yeah this is real science that's yeah i think that's the thing when you first hear peripheral thinking and you've never heard anything about it some people might think, I don't know, sounds gimmicky, yeah. I don't know. It sounds cool, but is there anything to it? Like there's real hard science to this.
1: Yeah, there's 19 skills in 6 categories, and depending on which research that you look at, the percentages and things all differ because everyone has their own sort of objectives for the communication. For me, my goal is to help companies that want to do more, be more and be disruption proof, future proof, if you like by using what is already available. Yes, I would never say, hey, ignore AI, ignore automation, ignore these tools. I'd never say that because they bring value. I'm just saying that use them regardless of where you found them. The story I was gonna tell you, I'll do briefly. I worked with a hospital in 2010 and they were having some challenges with their patient satisfaction and whatnot. We finished a couple day session. The director leaves to go on vacation. She calls me on Sunday from vacation in Hawaii. She's so excited. She can hardly stand it. And she reads a text that she received from the general manager of the resort that she just checked into literally 10 minutes earlier and read this. And she said, I want to do the same thing for patients in my hospital. I said, yep, Jennifer, that's exactly what you should do. Because texting 2010 is everywhere. But between hospital, patient, Dr. Pate, that wasn't there. So you fast forward more than a dozen years, you know, 13 years, And that all the time, right? You get responses and reminders and all kinds of things from physicians now, not in 2010. Right. And Jennifer, we did it with the thanks of Kaloa Village Resort in Hawaii. That's a Hilton property. And because Hilton was using a texting application, that knew when you went into the room and boom, we want to thank you for choosing.
0: That's cool.
1: Right on. Now she's, now Jennifer is the chief patient experience officer for a 20 hospital healthcare system. Wow, that's- And we got so cool. it, but did we create technology? Nope, it was there.
0: Yeah, there's so, I mean, there's so many opportunities just being in the, in the agency space. I'm sure you as well, working with a lot of different businesses and different industries and different niches with different business models and different skill sets. I see enormous opportunities every single day. There's so many, and some people have the mindset of, of scarcity, but there is no scarcity for opportunity. You just have to be open to thinking outside the box and using some peripheral thinking and uh, just look harder and you'll find it. It's everywhere. So
1: uh, it really is. That's why that statement is on the website. You really right. can access today, right now, everything you need to achieve anything that you can imagine when you know where and how to look. And I've proven it in 30 some industries and two, <laughs> two and a half billion dollars in new annual revenue. I've proven it. Yeah. You can do it. And whether it's me or you just go out and learn on your own, I don't care. Just mm-hmm. do it <laughs> because right forget about this disruption, forget about shrinking down, forget about all that stuff. If you're not growing, you're dead. If you're following conventional wisdom, you you should have stopped listening. You probably did stop listening a long time ago Mm -hmm. on this, but if you're open to it, I'm telling you it's there and it it is so much fun.
0: Yeah. I, I think it was Einstein who said something along the lines of someone with a closed mind cannot learn anything new right? You have to be open to new ideas and yep. filter them out. There's some bad ones, but when you run sure. into a good one. Grab a but you can it, learn from it. a bad idea too. Yeah, true. <laughs> right? True.
1: And so yeah. Einstein also said the thinking that got us into this problem won't get us out.
0: Right. We're well thinking. said. So how do people want to learn more about peripheral thinking and yeah. and your speaking, your speaking schedule and Connecting with you to get coaching and to talk about upgrading their execs and their team and their people to be more innovative and to think better. What do they do? Where's the best place to go? Is it your website?
1: Yeah. Website it's www.pauldanielsjr.com.
0: Paul danielsjr.com. So right. I have to ask you, you said you're a fifth innovation whisperer. Right. So what's this fifth generation all about? And you're a junior. So.
1: Well, yeah. And our son is a third. So going back through my father's lineage, artists, poets, musicians, and all of them took their skill and to a new level. I'm the first in five generations to actually have like a nine to five job. I was the first one to ever join a corporation (laughs) back in my late 20s. So all
0: very creative minds.
1: Yes, but not necessarily just that. They were in industry and they had jobs and whatnot, but they always did them somewhat differently. And because back how many generations there were? If you're a blacksmith, you're a blacksmith. You're not a jewelry maker. You're not creating swings on trees. You're a blacksmith. But the blacksmith would also do some jewelry on the side and some swings and whatnot. So they've all been whisperers in that they knew they saw things differently and they created new things, but they didn't know why. Got and it. finally, my generation figured it out. And now I've shared with my father.
0: And now you're sharing it with the world.
1: And now I get to share it with the world. Right. That's on. awesome. That's yeah. awesome.
0: I love it. Yeah. You could
1: also find me on LinkedIn. If you're looking yeah. for that. just Paul Daniels Jr.
0: Yeah. PauldanielsJr.com on your website. There's some really nice information there on your homepage and there's a contact page real yeah. easy. And then find you on LinkedIn, which is Paul Daniels Jr. And There's a nice, it's a nice banner at the top peripheral thinkers, easy to find. One last question for you, for our audience. So maybe you can relate this to peripheral thinking. What advice would you give to other entrepreneurs looking to succeed? What do you wish you would have known when you started? And maybe you can relate this to anything you want, but maybe you can relate it back to peripheral thinking and thinking outside of the box and thinking differently and seeing things other people can't see. But. Whether Whatever advice you think is useful to them would be great.
1: There's, so there's two pieces of advice I'd have. One is don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask questions. My first company I started, I was 25. I sold it when I was 27. And I lived in my car halfway through there for two months to make payroll. It was the cheapest way for me to generate because I didn't know how to ask for a loan. I didn't know about investment and working capital and all that stuff. I just knew I needed the money. So I sold what I had and I lived in my car. So ask for help. Two, trust your gut. So peripheral thinkers continue to capture perspectives from different people, different countries, different cultures, different industries. Allow that to inform a broader view of what is possible so that when you do ask for help and you get some advice, you can filter through whether you want to accept that or not. So ask for help. Trust your gut as you build up those repository of, of, of
0: perspectives. That's, that is fantastic advice. Awesome. Love that. Nice way to end this segment and tie everything together nicely. Yeah. I want to know more. I'll be honest. I'm hooked. So <laughs> right on, you got me, man. Right. So yeah, Paul, thanks so much for being on the podcast. It was great having you. Yeah, Jay.
1: Thanks for your time and for including me. It's been my, a pleasure.
0: My pleasure, man.